0: So I spend a lot of time researching gaming online. Yep. And one of the things that I see is there's a wide variety of classes and people keep looking for more and more classes because they say what's out there doesn't fit what they need. Yeah, That's something that I kind of disagree with. I think there's a lot you can do with the existing classes and you can still bring a flavor of something that's not explicitly spelled out into the books into the game. Just through your descriptions and flavoring of the existing classes that are already there.
1: Oh, yeah, I totally agree. I think that the base classes that are in the book, like, pretty much can cover almost everything.
0: So, I was thinking maybe we can take an episode and talk a little bit about the different classes and some of the different options you can do to make it stand out from the expected. Yeah, sounds good. Hello and welcome to Game Master Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today's topic, we'll be talking about reimagining some of the character classes and new flavors to bring exciting options to your game. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden. I'm Jared, a.k.a. DMF. And we're talking today reimagining character classes. Now, the base 5th edition D&D Player's Handbook comes with 12 classes, which we've kind of laid out so that we can kind of go through and just give a quick rundown on how to take something from the class that's not what you'd normally expect, but maybe a little variance to make it a little bit more colorful, a little bit more interesting. There's too much... People getting locked into the mindset of this is the way that a class is done and this is all you can do. So we wanted to give some other options and see what maybe you guys think and maybe hopefully give you some ideas and somebody latch on something and say that's cool and give it a shot. Yeah,
1: uh, there's definitely, I mean, in my personal opinion, there is so much that can be done with the base classes there. Again, I think it will cover pretty much anything that you want to do. And if one single class doesn't do it, then I think that, you know, throwing in the multi-class option, if your DM's okay with it, yeah. will get you to where you need to be. Absolutely. I mean, everyone wants to kind of play new classes and come up with new classes. And there's lots of cool ideas. And I understand that by making your own class, you can truly customize The mechanics of what you can do, but there's no reason that you can't just reflavor what's already there to
0: accomplish thematically what you want to do. Um, So south of the list, we have the barbarian, right? Um, Traditionally, when you have a barbarian, you generally get one of two images. You get the savage bruiser or the Viking berserker. Yeah. Um, Which is really split in 5th edition as the Totemic Warrior and the Berserker subclass of Barbarian. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the other things that we were talking about that we came up with for different options for our our Barbarian. uh, One of the ones I like is to actually reflavor it as a Samurai. His rage becomes an intense focus in which he feels no pain and his strikes cut with swift accuracy and he can unleash upon his enemy a great Kai and use the reckless attack to gain advantage, but it puts his blade out of position to defend so enemies get advantage on him as well. I think there's a lot of stuff that you could do there. If you're thinking big brute with a big axe who hits things hard, then the samurai wouldn't necessarily enter what you're thinking, Right, but I think... as a flavor it works with the existing mechanics to make something that feels different. Yeah, that was actually probably
1: one of my favorites from the the pre-show when we were going through ideas like that was something that like to me thematically didn't like even cross my mind but as soon as you started explaining how you would re-flavor the mechanics like it totally fit. It totally worked. Like I'm thinking Samurai would be as far as possible from a barbarian. Like, you know, you got rage versus Zen, but like mechanically what rage does can totally be translated into like a Zen trance like you right. mentioned. So
0: and, you know, even the requirements um, of rage mechanically, like you have to deal damage or take damage in order to keep it going, which is still, you know, the fact that he's. If he's dealing damage, then his focus is doing what it needs to and is into it. If he's taking damage, then he's using that pain to sharpen his focus. And then it's it's when nothing else is going on that he kind of snaps out of it. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. Fight's over. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Great reskinning. So um, next on the list, we have the Ranger. Mm-hmm. Um, Rangers kind of have the two flavors that are normally there. You're either looking at a, a Legolas or a Drizzt. Yeah. You have your... Uh, legolas machine gun arrow archer or drizzet close quarters twin weapons right. you know spinning attacker um, we had a couple of different uh reflavorings for that that we came up with
1: yeah uh i liked your idea which i'll let you go over uh the other thing that i mentioned was kind of going for like more of like maybe like a diablo 3 like demon hunter kind of thing like twin uh, you know taking the dual wield concept of like you know of Dritz. And you, know, but instead of dual wielding like swords or scimitars, like he does, you know, you dual wielding your crossbows. And just kind of going like going for like the legolas rapid fire machine gun thing, but in a much closer range. I think crossbows were like I'm like a thirty foot range or something like that. they a pretty close range. I mean, you're not in melee, but you're still you're you're up pretty close to the fight compared to like you know the the typical legolas type with the longbow. And you were also talking that they could work as
0: like a gunslinger flavor, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Like, and I know that there's uh, you know, like Matt Mercer has his gunslinger class out there. A lot of people have been playing with that and saying that that's really cool. I honestly haven't checked it out yet. But if you just reflavor the ranger as like a gunslinger you know whether they you know use like a rifle or dual wielding like revolvers or whatever you want to do there I and mean, that's between you and your dm uh i know that there are stats for guns in like the dmg also so like there's already stats for guns um you know that's available and just you know using your ranger as a gunslinger or you know some other sort of you know
0: gun wielder um, my idea in the pre-show, just while we were talking about different options for taking the same mechanics and making a different flavor, um, was the longbow sniper. Yeah. Uh, each round, he singles fires a single precise shot at a single enemy. Now, if your ranger has two or three attacks, you make two or three attack rolls. And if they all hit, then they all do damage. You just flavor that as a single perfect, well-placed arrow that maybe does double damage or triple damage if all three hit. And obviously damage resistance would come into play accordingly. We're not trying to cheat the mechanics or make anything better here. It's just reflavoring it as instead of putting you know 20 arrows downfield in two seconds, I'm going to take my shot. I'm going to see how it lines up and I'm going to hit the enemy that I need to hit them where I need to hit them.
1: Right. Yes. You know, again, you'd roll however many attacks you have, you'd roll them all and you'd roll out all the damage, all the same. Everything would be exactly the same mechanically. It would just be flavored as one single arrow striking its target. If you hit twice, it does two arrows worth of damage. If it hits three times, it does three arrows worth of damage. So really just kind of all, you know, you flavored as how well that hit placed. You know, if only one of three, you know, hits, you know, were successful, then you only winged them as, you know, or if all three of them
0: were successful, you put one right through their chest. Right in the chink of the armor. Yeah. So um, we next on the list, because we're just kind of keeping we're keeping it grouped thematically by a class type um, is the fighter. Right. Uh, talking about this earlier, the fighter, we actually had the hardest time coming up with things for because there's so much that the fighter already entails. Um, There's a lot of use of the fighter as the soldier, the knight, the man at arms, but I mean, really just about anybody who gets physical could be flavored as a fighter. Yeah,
1: I mean, anyone that has any sort of, uh, you know, martial training in any way, shape or form, like if you're going for more like of a modern day or sci-fi kind of uh, adventure, then, you know, your modern day, like, you know, soldier, your marine, your, you know, your army ranger. Uh, you know futuristic you know you got your your, your stormtrooper you know whatever whatever kind of the flavor is they're your guy you know like you know it's okay so instead of using a, a sword or whatever they're using you know uh, they got a, a handgun or they have their m16 that they rock but if they have to get into close quarter fighting then they pull out the old bayonet and you know they go to town. They're just, they're well-trained, you know, they're versatile. They they cover, the fighter class can cover so much. It's just
0: like, what can't you do with them? And I think the the fighter also really comes into, playing outside the box there requires you to play with your combat abilities, as in your descriptions and flavor there. Right. Um, I had a Eldritch Knight that I played a little bit with using the weapon summoning to have his weapon kind of teleporting in and out of combat. Mm-hmm. So, mechanically he swings and he hits in flavor. He swings, the enemy goes to parry, his weapon disappears and then reappears on the other side of the enemy weapon. And the slice continues and hits them. Right. You know, so he's doing kind of a magic Knight anime thing where his weapon came and went as needed to help, um, his fight. And that flavored it, even though mechanically it was just, did I hit or did I miss? Yeah. I mean, if you're into anime
1: or any of that stuff, I mean, your fighter can cover almost any of that stuff, depending on how you look at it. I would just, uh, you know, I would like, if you make your, if you make your fighter an Eldric Knight is how I would do it. Like you can pretty much make any kind of like, uh, anime based ish character. You know, you have some, Techniques that you can do, which would be your spells, you know, you have your fighting prowess and you just go and you just rock it. And it's up to you how you describe those situations and how you use your abilities and cast your spells in combat that are really going to give it that anime kind of flavor or feeling. I tend to try to bring a lot of, you know, anime flavor into my DD games, but I don't like overwhelm the game with it. It's just mostly like combat. So I'll try to get a little bit more, I make it. It, to me, it feels like it's getting a little bit more epic when you have like this anime kind of, you know, like, okay, like, you know, two guys go at each other and they slash and all of a sudden, you know, the screen goes black and you know, you have that little, uh, the, the flash and then, you know, the guy's down or, you know, they're, they're using this, like, if you're, I know we're going to get into the monk in a minute, but if you're using like your monk ability and you start, you know, shadow stepping from one place to the other... All of a sudden I'm thinking of uh, Ninja Scroll where there is a dude that can like travel through shadows. Like, why aren't you flavoring it like that? So yeah. it's all it's all about how you uh, portray it at the table. How you get into
0: those descriptions. Yeah. Um, I also the the description that you use there of the anime with the going black and the single sword slash. Um, we were talking about that in the pre-show as a paladin, as a yes. flavor for the smite. Right ability because really it is focusing energy into a single concentrated strike and that is the paladin smite and that is an option here for paladins you know rather than being the holy knight you could have somebody who's you know they they seek the spirituality from within um or they're you know the penitent trying to atone for past deeds and they're just throwing themselves in the the troll slayers of Warhammer right. could count as paladins. I will I will erase the dishonor I have brought to my family by doing great and glorious deeds until one of those deeds ends me. I, I think since we brought it up, playing a, tr- a troll slayer as a paladin would be really fun and interesting character.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I was also, you know, I we didn't mention the anime thing in the pre-show, but as I'm mentioning that for Eldritch Knight, I think that would work. Even just as well, if not better for the Paladin, you know, like the whole focusing energy into my blade and, you know, and using a smite that I'm reflavoring as, you know, I'm trained in the ways of the the fire samurai and I'm trained in the ways of the, you know, the the lightning people. And, you know, you're just focusing this energy into your attack, which you're using as a smite, Yeah. whether you're using the actual smite spell or, uh, spell or not to add extra mechanics or not. You know, that's up to you. But whenever you use a smite, you just flavor it as, like, you know, this focus. You know, I'm using the technique handed down
0: through the Corporates family for over 10,000 years. All right. So, uh, and anime definitely brings us into the monk class. Yes, definitely. Uh, it's, there's some very strong anime flavors that can be had there. Although, I think we just, dis- when we were discussing it, uh, you were talking about how a lot of it comes into. Reflavoring and reimagining not the character itself, but the weapon. Yes. I think, uh, an important function for
1: people playing the monk class is one to reflavor the weapons and two to reflavor or to think outside what you might find the standard for like your martial arts style or background slash culture. So, and it says right in the fifth edition, you know, right in the player's handbook that, Using quote-unquote like martial art weapons or whatever you like here You're gonna use the same stats as what's already in the book. You're just gonna reflavor them. So it's there It's already spelled out for you. It's just you need to use it So one of the things that they make an example of is if you want to use nunchucks a nunchuck really you're just I'm mean, like Yes, you're cranking up the velocity by spinning it on a chain But really you're just clubbing somebody you're hitting them with a blunt stick So you're just using the club um, mechanic. I'm just gonna roll this 1d6 for damage. It's bludgeoning damage thematically i'm using nunchucks i'm gonna sit here and dual wield these clubs mechanically that are nunchucks and uh we're gonna have some michelangelo or bruce lee action going on and we're just gonna nunchuck around or you're reflavoring the short sword as a wakasashi a dagger as a tonto your long sword is your katana you uh you can have uh instead of it being a sickle it can be a kami a kami thank you i was just like, oh my god, my brain just went uh yeah. So instead of it being a quarter staff, it is a just a bow staff. So I mean, that's kind of a very subtle change, you know, just yeah. you know, wording wise, but yeah, I mean there's you know oh, another one was like instead of you I'm I'm gonna use a whip. No, well I'm gonna recut t- on claw, Yeah, blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm going to reflavor the whip as like a chain, like I fight with chains, like more of like a ghost writer kind of thing, you know, or again, on the club concept or even the staff concept, depending on what you want to go with and what your DM says is cool, three section staff. Yep. Again, you're still rolling the same things and they're doing the same, you know, bludgeoning damage, slashing damage, piercing damage, whatever, you know, like you mentioned, which for another one too, but
0: uh, uh, instead of darts, they're they're throwing stars. Yep. well, specifically, that was instead of darts, there are batarangs, right? Which we as will, we started getting into the whole, we're gonna do monk Batman, yes, shadow steps, smoke bombs, increased speed. Where did he go? He's too fast. You know, he's got plenty of hand to hand combat, batarangs, and such. Right? Yeah, yeah. If you yeah, if you go away the shadow, yeah, you you can be Batman. There, absolutely, like- and. And I was actually reminded of another superhero character that would fit this talk of the monk class, and that's from Sentinels of the Multiverse, Mr. Fixer, who is a martial artist type who has sworn off using weapons, but he still has tools at his disposal. So he has, you know, he doesn't have a club. He has a pipe wrench instead of a, a. Staff, he's using a jack handle, mm-hmm. you know, so he's using just ordinary tools that are around in the same way that he would be using martial arts weapons. Right. So flavor wise, it's just the same as if somebody was using that type of weapon, but or mechanical, it's wise. It's the same as if they are using that weapon. But flavor wise, it's these different tools and equipment yeah. being used. Yeah. And when it comes
1: to the actual character itself or, you know, again, like I think that, you know, you should be looking at different uh you know, martial arts kind of backgrounds. There's so many different types of martial arts in the world. You got Taekwondo, and there's a gazillion different forms of Kung Fu. There is a, several dozen forms of karate, whether you realize it or not. There is, you know, you got ninjutsu, you got all kinds of different uh, variants, you know, uh, uh, capoeira. Uh, there's a Vietnamese martial art that I can't think of the name of off the top of my head. Like there's there's martial arts that you probably don't even know exist out there. So if you just say that my monk is a monk of this type of martial art, you've instantly reflavored how they're going to be doing their actions. I mean, you don't have to be a, you know, you don't have to have studied this martial art. Just look for some YouTube videos or something out there just to see how they like Taekwondo favors kicks and, you know, uh, uh, Kempo favors, you know, you
0: know, using your hands and being very quick with your hands, but, you know, not using a lot of feet. And a lot of people uh, joke about it online, but I'd like to see somebody seriously do a Lucha Libre monk. Yeah. You know, do flying clotheslines and swinging neck breakers and hip tosses and suplex your enemies just to see how it works out. Yeah, I agree.
1: Uh, there's a lot of, there's actually so much room for, for Monk. I mean, anything that's using, and it doesn't have to just be hand to hand. You can be hand to hand. Again, there's lots of different martial arts styles that favor different weaponry. You know, you can say, I want to make an Electra style character. And now all of a sudden, instead of using daggers, I'm using Psy. You know, I want to be Donatello from the Ninja Turtles. Okay, sure. Here's your quarterstaff. I want to be Michelangelo.
0: Here's your club slash (laughs) nunchucks. I could also see a forgiving DM. I want to be daredevil. So I have a club that can also transition into a staff so I can switch back and forth. Maybe like work it out with the DM. So it takes like a bonus action to switch between.
1: Well, I mean, technically in fifth edition rules during your move action, you can draw a weapon. So, I mean, as long again, it's up to DM's discretion. As part you of know, the move action. As part of the move action. Just you're switching from one weapon type to the other. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that sounds pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like I tend to reward, you know, like there should always be this underlining the like the cool rule or the awesome rule. Like sounds awesome. Doesn't break the game. Let's do it. All right. Next on the
0: list, we have rogues. Yes. Rogues. Uh, rogues is another one. I think is similar to fighter. They cover a lot where there's so much that they cover. That's hard to come up with something outside the box. Yeah. You know, normally they are thought of as either this ultimate ninja assassin or, you know, the sneaky cat burglar type. Yes. And there's so much more that you can do with them. There is
1: so much to do with them. Like the fighter that I'd almost don't even know where to begin. Uh, Like you mentioned, I mean, some people already go to this because there is the subclass of assassin. But like, if I had to make a ninja, and I was not allowed to multi-class in this game. I would go rogue. I would m- 99% because of the sneak attack. I would reflavor it as like a death touch. You know, me just walking up behind you and tick, 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 tick. and yeah, maybe I have to use a dagger and I stab, 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 you know, for the mechanics or whatever. Because you're not supposed to be able to use hand-to-hand and, or like bare hands for a sneak attack anymore. Yeah. But I walk up behind you and I know exactly where to put this dagger, stab, 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 stab and, and you're dead. I am the ninja. And that's without even getting into the subclass of the assassinate ability. Yeah. So, but, I mean, some people already go there. And I think prior to 5th edition, I likely would not have automatically gone there. But, again, with that subclass of the assassin, you kind of just draws you towards that. So, but, yeah, I mean, ninjas are also supposed to be, like, this super skilled character. So, and the rogue gets more skills than anyone. Which is another reason why rogue is so versatile. Like, while our fighters are so versatile... In martial combat, they have a lot of options there. The rogue is extremely versatile in the skills area of the game. So if you want to make any kind
0: of skill-based character, rogue is going to probably be where you're going to start. Yeah, and also, I'd also I'd like to see a like a thief pacifist rogue, almost the, the the gentleman thief. Like I don't I don't bring a gun because I don't need a gun. Because if it even comes to violence, then everything has gone horribly wrong already. Yeah, and this is the character who gets who gets in who takes his mark and leaves without ever being detected.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of movie references you could go to for something like that, you know, for the Gentleman Thief, you know, like, you know, people used to have uh, honor in this game, you know what I mean? Like, you know, honor amongst thieves and all that stuff. Uh, Yeah, I dig that. Uh, Another thing I was thinking, which I mentioned like in the pre-show, like if you're doing more of like a modern day or even like a, you know, uh, uh, a slightly futuristic kind of game, you like kind of like Shadowrun, but your DM yep. doesn't run Shadowrun. You're doing fifth edition or whatever. Like, I think like half the characters in Shadowrun could be reskinned into Rogue or reskinned at, you know, be, use a Rogue as your base and reskin to like a Shadowrun kind of like your hackers. Yeah. You know, they got most of your skills, you know. Any kind of like, if, if you look at like today as like not necessarily what you might consider a class, but more of like an occupation, anything on the shady side can be Rogue. Gunrunners, mm-hmm. uh, Human traffickers, you know, you know, I mean, it, it's hey kids. Do you ever want to role play that you were <laughs> trading in human lives? Well, but I'm just saying, you know, like that kind of like the whole shady side of, of things, you know, which is where my mind goes when I think Shadowrun. Like the first thing I think is, you know, hacker. And then I start thinking mm-hmm. just the, the shady, gritty
0: side. Actually, of life. it could be kind of interesting to have uh, to have a group of players trying to do a modern game as drug runners. And like the DM is playing the law enforcement trying and they have to figure out how to get over and around yeah. it that it'd be, be very yeah exciting i mean a little a little maybe like is this the type of thing we should be glamorizing but at the same time oh yeah but i
1: mean it's also <laughs> that's kind of like just taking the concept of playing an evil game yeah and just putting it in modern day and which it would also be good practice if you have issues with your evil campaigns imploding a little bit of a tangent but like if you have issues <laughs> with your evil game imploding if you will. put them into a modern situation where like you guys are a bunch of drug runners you've been you've known each other and have been working together for years and you're now you know trying to keep your business running but in the dm is basically playing the cops and the you know the good guys you're probably, you're honestly being able to relate to that as a modern day situation. Having seen movies based on that, also yeah. glamorizing, you know, that kind of situation. Yeah. You're probably less likely to have
0: the group implode on itself. Well, also a lot of those movies end with the group imploding on themselves. Yeah, but they get higher levels. Yeah. <laughs> um, another, another fun reflavor for Rogue. That was, it was kind of a, a bit of a mechanics, bit of a joke thing. Um, in 4th edition, one of my players played a Minotaur Rogue. Okay. Um, and he played him as he was the muscle of the cartel, and it was things like his pickpocket involved clubbing somebody over the head into unconsciousness and then pulling stuff out of their pocket. Um, if he had when he had to pick a lock, he he just broke the doorknob off and opened the door. Um, and at one point, he was actually trying to sneak and move silently, and somebody who knew who he was saw him. And pretended he didn't see him. Because if he had spotted him... Then the Minotaur would have clubbed him into unconsciousness. And he wanted to avoid that. Yeah, that's good. I like that. <laughs> so it was... It, w- it was a very tongue-in-cheek. And the character... Only was there for a couple of sessions, but it was hilarious while he was just kind of like, you know, seven and a half foot tall, 350 pounds, sneak,
1: sneak, sneak. Well, what's kind of funny is like the first thing that I'm just going through my head is like how people would react to having something like that. Like, oh, well, he's not strong enough to just break the doorknob to then be able to like, but mechanically, like what really changed if he was successful at the lock pick, right? The door would have opened
0: and who cares if he really is strong enough to break the doorknob. And it's actually a case where it puts a player at a disadvantage. Because if you pick the lock, you're essentially unlocking it and opening it. Yeah. You break off the doorknob to open it, and now somebody comes through and they're not gonna be, hey, I thought that door was locked. They're instead gonna be, uh, this was broken into. Right. Yes. And instantly going to know that something's wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It will instantly alert someone, like, hey, the doorknob is missing. Also, you can't lock the door behind you. Right. So they can just, anyone can just bump the door and open it and see whatever you may or may not be doing in there. Yeah. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I definitely dig it.
1: I totally dig it.
0: Um, and then next on the list, we have the close cousin of the rogue, which is the bard. Again, I feel the bard is an underutilized class. There's a lot of different flavors. Um, even though the fifth edition player's handbook only has the two routes laid out, the school of lore and the school of valor, they're still so broad. There's so much you can do, and they're so different from each other. Unlike any other class, a bard of lore and a bard of valor are so Different that they almost feel and play like different classes. Yeah. Even on their just standard mechanical.
1: Yeah. I honestly, if I could have a and d game, like an, I would play. I should let me rephrase. If I could play in like 13 different D&D games, I think like at least eight of those, I'd be a bard. <laughs> like that's just like. I used to always be, or I still am, like at heart, I'm a wizard guy. Like that's where I want to be. That's where like I can get that true arcane power. So many options, so much I can do. But I love the fifth edition bar. They're just so versatile and they can just finally do everything that they I think they were meant to be able to do. And, you know, being a, a Final Fantasy, you know, 11 MMO player
0: for a little while and kind of digging the Red Mage back in the day, like I kind of gravitate towards the Bard. I remember when I first picked up the fifth edition, like player's handbook, and I was reading through it and I just I saw the Bards and I was like, wow, they've they've given them a huge boost over previous edition. They almost f- start to feel overpowered. Um, and yeah, my first character in fifth edition was a of the college of valor with the idea of like it's a red mage you know i can fight with weapons i have medium armor i can cast spells to heal i can cast spells to damage you know i can do everything yes and it's not i can do everything at a weak level where like i'm spread so thin that i can't do anything you actually have moderate levels of competence across the board yeah, I mean that was honestly it
1: was my first impression too when I saw the the bard like I thought red mage I, an arcane caster with cure wounds like red mage right you know, like I can fight with a sword I can cast arcane spells and I can cure wounds I am the red mage I am you know I'm a little black mage I'm a little white mage I'm a little fighter I'm I got the whole I got the whole kit and caboodle I don't suck it and you know I'm not third best at everything and good at nothing. I'm good at everything. You know, I'm not taking anyone's place, but I'm good at everything that I do. So yeah, I loved it. Um, red mage. First thing that comes to my mind. Um, what was the other one that we were saying? The, uh, the college of lore. Yeah. College of lore. The fact that every time I play a College of Lore bard, I can start stealing spells from other lists. And I know there's optimizers out there that will say there's only like X number of spells that you have to take and that's it. And I want to be OP and blah blah blah. But every time I play a, a College of Lore bard, I have so many options in my flavoring depending on how I've been playing that bard. And what I want to accomplish as a character with that spell choice. When I steal spells from other people's lists. They can be different spells every single time. So it's like I'm not just bound to this one bard list of spells. I can steal some spells from Wizard over here and some spells from Cleric over there and some spells from Druid over there to accomplish this, whatever I want to accomplish with this character. And just the spell selection alone is going to make this character different from every other College of Lore bard that I may or may not have played. Not to mention how I'm role playing them and, you know, and all the other options that I've chosen up to that point. Just with the spell selection, I
0: can be completely different every single time. And there is one other key component to the bard um, that if you want to try to avoid stereotypes, that you want to try to do something that's outside the box, um, and that is the music. A lot of people think that bards are tied to music. The bard has to be a musician of some sort. It all works through music and performance. While it does work to a degree on performance, it doesn't have to be a musical performance. Um, I remember hearing the, the College of Lore bard who was a slam poet and insult comic and that works Um, my red mage bard that I first played in fifth edition was actually a storyteller you know he liked to tell tall tales and make jokes and all that he didn't sing because he didn't need to he still had the ability to to convey you know emotions and whatever through the stories instead you don't need to be a musician to be a bard Right, yeah. Yeah, there's lots of different options. You know, you can
1: be storyteller, like you said. You know, you can be a herald. You can be... It's just supposed to be like that you have like this creative outlet that your magic flows through. So, I mean, there's so many... dance. <laughs> if that's what you want to do. I don't know if that'll help your case with the group. Well, that's better
0: than adult dance. Yeah, that's... Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's a different... That's, that's a bard as well. That would be not appropriate for every game, but it would be interesting to see that. Attempt to work into a game. Yes, that would be something. <laughs> well, there would definitely be a lot of, like, hypnosis and charm spells going yes. on, I think. Yes, definitely. Um. So, moving along from Bard, we have the Cleric and the Druid. Yeah. Which we kind of put together because I, I might get some flack for this, but a Druid is very much a Cleric of nature with... With different different abilities, different skills, different focuses. But it is still very much a spellcaster getting divine ability from a source. That source is just nature rather than a specific god.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have any issues personally, you know, putting them into the same bracket. Especially for this particular conversation. Because I think right. they kind of have the same things going on thematically for like what we're talking about. Or mixing it up. So, I mean, they both are... For all intents and purposes, without getting into details, they're both basically divine casters. Yeah. They both can technically wear medium armor, depending on what type of cleric you choose. You can wear heavy armor, and you're both able to use. And yes, druids can't wear metal, but whatever. And they, you know, they can both use you know a variety of weapons. Again, clerics have different options depending on what they they chose for a god. You know what uh, what type of cleric they are, but. They all have access to a variety of, you know, clerics more so than druids have access to a variety of weapons. Druids have a a smaller list, but they have some options, you know, quarterstaff, scimitar, sickle, etc. So I think my biggest issue that I have with these is when I think cleric. I mean, so your typical cleric slash druid, you know, your typical cleric is going to be, you know, your holy crusader rocking the the medium or heavy armor, rocking the mace or the warhammer, up in the thick of it, fighting alongside the fighter, shield with a shield. Uh, sorry, with a shield. You know, throwing out some some turn on deads when needed, throwing out some heals when needed. That's your your atypical kind of like you know you know de facto cleric that comes
0: to that comes to my mind. Which people don't want to play because it's
1: boring and then your dru- atypical druid is going to be something similar. They're going to typically be maybe not in the middle of it all, but, you know, somewhere up in the combat. Either they're going to be, you know, wild-shaped in the in the combat, depending on if they go circle the moon, or, they're- or they still might be wild-shaped if they go circle the land, just with some more limitations. Or they're going to be up there, you know, on the outskirts, casting their spells, but they're going to be close to the combat. I... Think of my healers, and this is again from some MMO. I've been playing D and D way longer than I'm playing MMOs, but my, my MMOs have tainted, you know, my whole two years of playing because I'm not like an avid player. But they kind of tainted my perspective of healing. Like I played a white mage in Final Fantasy XI for you know a year and a half, two years. I would like to see some more like clothy style, kind of like you know clerics and druids, where they just I can wear medium armor, I can wear light armor. I don't wear armor. I'm more of like a wizard in that kind of aspect. Like, I don't wear the armor. I stay on the outskirts. I just throw out the healing spells. I throw out the buff spells. I throw out some debuff spells. I am support. I am not in the thick of it. I am here to be a man of the cloth, to to protect my comrades, and to help vanquish evil from a safe distance.
0: <laughs> and. Um, we discussed this in the pre-show as well. I had a character in Second Edition that was a cleric of healing, and he had taken a vow of pacifism, so he would never kill someone. Um, nor would he necess- would he stand by if his party was like going to execute a prisoner or anything like that. You know, if somebody dies in combat, that's a thing. But so he healed and you know buffed, debuffed, but he did not deal damage. Because he refused to raise his fist in violence to something that was alive. Yeah. Yeah, I dig it. Um, however, in order to avoid being difficult, I had to play that character in a campaign where we were going after, like, the source of undead. Just so I'm not the, nope, can't help you in the fight. Don't hurt people. <laughs> um, so we can do that. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of
1: cleric's. They have a lot of options. I mean, a lot of, again, a lot of these classes are just built with a lot of variety already. So saying that there's really no option for you in the player's handbook just confuses me.
0: And the cleric can kind of mimic most of the other classes. Yeah. You want a fighter? War cleric. You need a rogue? Trickery cleric. You need a spellcaster, blaster? Light cleric. You need a little more of a divination wizard type? Knowledge cleric. Yeah. A lot of options you can do there. Yeah, they can cover it all. And
1: druids have a lot of options, you know, as yep. well. I mean, there's only circle of the land or you know, or circle of the moon. But if you're circle of the land, you can choose what type of land type. You got right. swamps and, and forests and grasslands. There. Yeah, there's a lot of options there that'll help you know tweak your spell list a little bit. You know, if you're circle of the moon, then there's a lot of options in what you can wild shape into. You know, the higher level you get, them, the higher the CR rating of the creature that you can turn into is. You know, once you hit sixth level, you're already turning into CR two creatures, which doesn't sound big, but it's basically a free hit point pool. You know what I mean? So like,
0: and another just for characterization for the cleric or druid, I think they would both be good choices for the uh, magically imbued character. who doesn't know why, like even though that's kind of like, well, isn't that the sorcerer gimmick? Um, I think it would be great to have a character who has been chosen by the divine powers that be, who didn't bother to tell him and like you know his friend is dying and he laid hands on him and healed him you know he all he did was cast cure wounds but he didn't exactly know how he did that and now he's trying to figure out what's going on and figure out what he can do and why he can do it what's his purpose in the world yeah you know flavoring it as a cleric because he's getting these powers from he doesn't know where
1: Yeah, I like the idea of doing that. You know, if it was going to be like, you know, you have divine powers, you know, cleric style, you know, from somewhere that you don't know about. You could be, I was born under this, you know, the cosmos were in alignment when I was born on this day. You know, like I was born under this special star kind of thing. If it was going to be druid, then it was like, I was born at midnight on the summer solstice on the year of whatever that happens to be extra holy for druids in my world or or something along those lines. Or, you know, maybe... Something like bit my mother while I was, you know, still in the womb, like maybe a, for whatever reason, no one knows why a cobra bit my mother while I was still in the womb and or some maybe even like a magical beast of some sort,
0: you I'm know, a snake walker.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, kind of like the blade thing, you know, like you're getting infected while you're still, you know, in utero kind of deal that you just so you're just able to draw upon these druidic powers and you don't even know why all of a sudden, like. You know, you're you're wild shaping, but, you know, kind of pull like a little bit of a calicanthropy thing out, like, you know, on the first full moon after you hit puberty, you wild shape by accident. You know, and you can start kind of playing that up with your your uh, your background there and your your history of your character.
0: You, you actually gave me an idea of of it's from another piece of fiction. But to steal, there is uh, a, a character who's was related to uh, these cultists that were performing magical rites intended to give them power. And what was happening was, well, the kid was sleeping upstairs. The parents were doing the rites in the basement and the energy they didn't realize was coming down from above. So since they were doing all these rights, they thought they weren't working, but all the magical power was being imbued into the child. Wow. So as the child grew up, all of a sudden he's starting to get these abilities that he doesn't know where they're coming from either. <laughs> and, you know, it's just that backstory that he doesn't find out for a while as to what was actually happening. And yeah, and that's, Sounds like a good uh cleric reflavoring for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um Sorcerer and Wizard is the next one on the list. Uh the sorcerer was actually what kind of sparked this decision or this topic? Um I actually had the idea of playing a sorcerer that was a sci-fi commando and his spells were different gear that he had. So it's not a fire bolt it's laser blaster and it's not magic missile, it's laser blaster rapid fire. And, Not a fireball, but he's throwing a grenade and he's not using jump. He's using a grappling hook or thrusters, rocket thrusters in his boots that he can set to jump, levitate or fly depending on what he needs. There's a lot you can do for flavoring the sources of spells. And I think also the spells themselves are a great source of reflavoring and, and just making them appear to fit your character while not touching the mechanics at all.
1: Yeah, and even though we didn't really touch on it in the for the previous classes, the same can be true for all the other spellcaster classes. Right. You know, how you flavor your spells will say a lot about how your character is flavored itself. You know, so, which plays a lot into, especially, I mean, it plays for all of them. I was going to say, like, the bard, you know, like, how you yeah. choose to cast, whether it's singing or playing a musical instrument or telling stories, but... Same is true for how you present your holy symbol with clerics and, you know, how you might uh, call upon the, you know, divine powers as your your paladin. And and so every spellcaster class, how you present your spells, how they function, what they look like, where they come from, you know, playing a sorcerer, technically it's your bloodline, but, you know, there's no reason that flavor-wise you are a futuristic Batman with just like a duffel bag full of different
0: gizmos that... (laughs) accomplish what you needed to accomplish and we have we actually not not trying to brag too much here but i think as far as you know the the spells and such we have some good examples in our dark hounds games yes you know we have we have a party where everybody can cast magic and the magic that happens there's often there's a lot of flavor that goes along with it and you know very individualized so that you 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 have these spells that are that are being thrown off and they have the flavor it feels like you know when tristan casts a spell there's always there's a lot of lightning or thunder or you know electricity and energy you know that that's something that tristan is is doing because as the tempest cleric he's got he's riding the lightning yeah it's not just i want to cast
1: this okay you cast that yeah yeah Uh, so, I mean, the same kind of goes for for wizard. They're kind of, you know, very much in the same kind of bracket. Uh, wizards, I think, again, you know, just reflavor. I think with the sorcerer and the wizard are probably more so than any other class because they are just like 100% spell dependent. You know what I mean? Like a cleric can still technically wear armor and fight with a weapon. And, you know, a druid can still technically wild shape. And a lot of the other classes have backup mechanics in place to keep them up on par. But, you know, your wizard and your sorcerer are like, I cast spells that's what i do so almost all their flavoring is going to be come come from how you present those spells where they come from you know are they from a you know are they reflavored from some sort of tech gear you know are they are you
0: shooting laser beams from your eyes and we also talked about this in the in the pre-show you know there are different options too you could be a runic caster and you have these runes that you're using or you're doing inscriptionist and doing like writing seals and and attaching them to enemies or doing uh, directly to the enemy like uh, like drawing a rune on them and then that causes an effect to happen yeah yeah i did like that
1: when we were talking about that in the pre-show like the concept of kind of being like saying you're like a rune caster but you do like these little runes that like typically you're drawing in the air but like for the touch attacks or whenever you're interacting with an actual person uh, or object or something, you're actually like making a little inscription with like with your fingers on the person. So like if I was going to do shock and grasp, technically I would cast shock and grasp and then i touch the thing and then they, you know, they get electrocuted. But if flavor-wise I run up and I just do like a little quick little lightning bolt or something like that, and then you could even say thematically for fun, you know, like there's a delay. So, that you know, you run up and you're like, ha ha ha, -ha 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 and then they're like, would you just do oh god oh oh it hurts don't let him touch you (laughs) that could be a lot of fun yeah i kind of want to do that with my next my next wizard now and be like a a rune caster that just scribbles on people and they're like getting beat up and they don't even
0: know why yeah i i I personally kind of think the inscriptionist type where yeah you know he scribes out his spells quickly or uses you know the purity seals like you see in a lot of the animes or, I mean, even Warhammer has them, even though yeah. I don't think they have quite the same effect. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where all of a sudden there's just like this little strip of paper with some, some scribble on it and
1: then you just slap it on them and all of a sudden, bzz, you know, that takes effect. Yeah. All right.
0: right. Yeah. That's totally a cool concept too. Um, And then last on the list uh, more because we were kind of moving through a combination of slightly alphabetical, but also thematic uh, is Warlock. Yeah. Um, Warlock. Has I feel a lot of the a lot of the stuff we said for sorcerers and wizards fits with warlock. Yeah. But at the same time, you also have an option to do a lot of different flavoring with the packed patrons. Yes. Yeah. I think
1: that there's only three packs in the book and there are good three packs to start with. But there is no reason that you can't either reflavor the existing packs or come up with some some of your own packs Again, this is all about like kind of reskinning and reflavoring. So I wouldn't really want to delve too much into like, you know, how to how to make a new uh, new patron or slash pact. But you could easily, you know, as long as it's okay with the DM, you know, kind of mix and match. Like we made the example of like I want to have a pact with a fire elemental and be kind of like a, a fire warlock. But where he's an outsider, I kind of like the, some of the flavor of like, like the Fae Pact warlock abilities. I want to kind of have that going for me for my character concept that I have in my mind. I would like to gain the abilities of the Fae Pact, but I would like to have the spells added to my spell list, my bonus spells, from the Infernal Pact because they're all fire-based. and kind of have that... You know, just mixing and matching, not changing anything mechanically. You know, these abilities should be equal to those abilities and these spells should be equal to those spells. So you're just kind of mixing and matching what's already there between the three options to make your own little unique option. And boom, I have a pact with the fire elemental and I walk around calling myself Sparky.
0: And as a DM, you should look at those and decide whether or not they're they're equal. You know, you could say that, well, whoa, 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 you only want... This ability added in because this you know, your level three ability here is a lot more powerful than the level three ability over here, um, which you may have players that are going to try to pull the fast one. Generally, give your players the credit of the doubt. Take a look at it and realize, I mean, worse comes to worse. You're not going to be playing these characters forever. No. So give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out, you could sit down and talk with them. You know, have that player trust that communication or you can just accept the fact that it's not going to be there forever.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways to deal with that in-game, but that's another topic for another time. Uh, I just think that there's no reason that you can't be reflavoring a lot of these Warlock packs to give your Warlocks different flavors. I have a bunch of ideas for some different flavors for my game that I'm going to be working on. Some of them are just going to be flavors, some of them are going to be re- um, some re-skinning, and some of them are going to be building my own patrons, just so we have some more options there mechanically. Uh, you know, that's your choice. Um, but I mean, just between these 12 different classes... There's a lot you can do. Yeah. And then we haven't even touched on the concept. Like, really. Well, I think we touched on it, but we haven't even delved like into the meat and bone of multi-classing. Right. You know, between these straight classes, you start adding in multi-classes. I really think, you know, with multi-classing, you can
0: accomplish pretty much anything you want. And you don't need to go out and spend all those money by buying those third-party supplements to make a character you use once and say, yeah, that was really fun. I wish I got to play him again. You know, now you can go through all of, what you already have and make characters this is really fun this gives me an idea of another three things i want to do yeah so because we, we all never ever get enough games no no we'll never get ideas. yeah we'll never get to do all
1: our ideas ever
0: so thank you for joining us for our show today as always if you have any comments on today's topics or any stories you'd like to share about how you used it in your game feel free to get in touch with us also if there's anything you'd like to hear us discuss let us know Uh, You can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash gamemasterstudio. Subscribe for exclusive access to early content and also a few other special surprises and tricks we've been putting up there. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. We are GMS Studios, uh, available on Facebook for you to like, comment, and subscribe. And we have new episodes coming out every week with more information on running your game. We're posting them on Podbean at gamemasterstudio.podbean.com through iTunes and available now on YouTube as well. Speaking of YouTube, check out our Dark Hounds 360 VR campaign. Watch us play through, use the tips that you see here, and occasionally miss an opportunity. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support. We'll see you the next time that we get back into the studio.